heard y'all want to float. Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we cover an artist, band, perhaps even a poet, or something like that. I don't know. This week we're covering Aesop Rock. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with Jared. And this is Tyler. And once again, this week we were talking about Aesop Rock. How do we feel about listening to the underground hip hop legend Aesop Rock this week? Start with Jared. It was okay. I like certain songs and albums, but the entirety was uh, strenuous. That's what I will say. Aesop Rock is not an easy. breezy listen no it's long albums i don't yes Dense we'll get into songs. it more Dense yeah songs. like he's a good storyteller when he tells a story but it, it's like few and far between that's the problem like yeah. i like kirby's a great song yes that tells a good story there are songs on uh which one none shall pass that have good stories yeah but it often ends up being before we switch to tyler uh, it often ends up being a case that his lyrics are um, cryptic, mm. as to say that they're almost incomprehensible. What he's trying to say and what he's, uh, what exactly his message is within a song, it's just very interesting language mm-hmm. that like flows and sounds very like well. But what does it mean, Tyler? How did you feel? Pretty good, all in all. Um. One thing I realized this week, though, is, uh, you know, like it, we know the hip hop artists have, they develop a flow of their own, right? And I, I've kind of determined this week that I don't think, I think hip hop albums for me need to be isolated. I enjoy an album, I listen to the album. Next time I want to listen, maybe I'll choose another album from that artist. I don't want to listen to multiple albums of one hip hop artist in a row because their flow becomes normalized. And then it's just like every song is almost the same song. Yes. And I that becomes kind way. of difficult. And I, cause, because there's so – Aesop Rock uses a four-peat uh, like end line in his flow like every other song. And it's just like this song is almost this other song. I, I mean there's the difference is the musical aspect of yes. it, although the musical aspect stays a little more constant across an album for him. Like he kind of explores musical ideas in an album. Yes. So in that regard – you know, that's what I'm saying. Like an album can be isolated and that's nice. But when I listen to multiple albums, it's like one blob of things surrounded by another blob of things next. All of which are like, so when you, okay. So I guess this is a, this is more of a tech, uh, like a, a semantics question. When you listen to like our playlist of all the, the albums, do yeah. you listen to them in quick succession or do you listen to them throughout the week? It depends. I mean, so this week I put, Aesop Rock on and listen to probably the first three albums one day. So in that case, it's like it. But even so, I mean, yesterday I listened to an album and a half on my way from Indy to Madison. So in that regard, I still, you know, I just caught the beginning of a next album. And it's like, mm, I don't know, kind of, there's a, there's a bit there. Sometimes you can tell where they end and sometimes you can't. So that just depends, but I, it depends. I, sometimes I do it one way. Sometimes I do it another way. This week, I just so happened to listen to the first half of them in succession and the next part more broken up. 
I feel like the only because for me personally, I feel like the only album that like I blend sonically enough that if I was listening to the last track and it switched into the next track would be Float and Labor Days. And I I mean, that's more for me though, is that like I would know because I know that the first track of Labor Days is Labor and I would know the transition. He's talking not just about the sound of it but the flow of it too well and i agree with that too is that his flow is like i don't want to say it's the same but it's very similar throughout the career yes his his yes his lyrical flow is similar but that's where i that's why i don't understand the idea of not being able to to like understand when the transition hits because it's very clear musically which album you're on yes the way he performs vocally is often very similar. Right. Um, That's what I'm saying, though. You can I you I know that there are musical differences. This is clear. You know that's what I'm saying. Each album has its own. It has its own ideas musically, and it can it exists as a whole in that regard, right? With certain songs standing out a little bit more than others, for whatever reason. Sometimes it's because they're story songs that tend to you know whatever people find them for something. But like the interconnectedness of what makes him an artist would be his flow and his voice. And this, like the things that he does outside of the musical aspect are fairly stagnant, which is not, I don't find that problematic. I like it. I just don't think I want to listen to multiple Aesop rock albums at one time. I just want to only listen to one and then maybe I'll listen to something else. And the next time I want to listen to Aesop rock, I'll choose a different one Yeah, because it's kind of like, it is difficult. Not only because at some point you get also just get sick of trying to listen to all of the words, you know? And trying to and trying to do deciphering or trying to like because each is also the way that he seems to choose lyrics means that each line can exist as its own idea and as something that makes up a larger idea in the song or in the verse, you know, but each line could be its own thing. He tends to end a night. He tends to make a line be an idea. He starts it and he ends it and then it becomes a verse which has its own ideas based off of those and then a song which has its own idea based off of those. And in that case, like if you thought about it at the smallest level, line per line, it gets kind of exhausting to try to think about it that way. Yeah. I guess another thing is too, so this is this is maybe where like my different and I will get to it. Which albums have you heard from Aesop prior to this week? So what were you already familiar with? Almost all of them. Really? Yeah. Almost Jared? all of them. Um, I'm, I'm sure I've listened to Labor Days all the way through before, uh, and The Impossible Kid, I know I have. Yes. The other ones, I'm not 100% sure. I know I've listened to stuff from None Shall Pass, but I don't know if I'd ever listened to the entire thing all the way through. Which makes sense. It's more like I knew the singles and songs from various things I'd heard before, and then all of Impossible Kid I had listened to multiple times. That's about that's really kind of where I land. Like the stuff that had been in Tony Hawk and the stuff that came out as singles. Um, or like, cause back in the the days of LimeWire where I would pick songs based on like, this is a song that is known to be the best song from that album. You know, I'd download that song, then I would learn that song, but I didn't do that with every single one of his tracks. Right. You know? So I just picked songs that I liked either a verse from or a sampling or a, you know, the beat or whatever it is. Tyler, do you know which one you said almost all of them, which mm-hmm. ones did you um, narrow down to? Uh, if possible kids, probably the one I had listened to least. I'd probably only heard like a couple of songs really off of it. Uh, pretty much the rest of them. I, ch- one of them, which one do y'all remember? Which one I chose for 
I chose an Aesop Rock album for one week where we covered someone and chose additional albums. I can't remember who that was. I, can't can't I know what you're talking yeah. about. I don't remember which album it was, though, that I chose. I, I think, think it was Skeleton. But yeah, you was... did pick Skeleton because we were going to talk about, like, was it abstract hip hop? Yeah, but I don't remember who the original artist I was. I think it was Kendrick, but why did we add? Oh, no, I remember now. Because I picked Danny Brown, right? We yeah. picked modern hip hop artists. We wanted yeah. to, yes. when we wanted to talk about modern hip hop. But who were we? When Kend- with Kendrick. Was it with Kendrick? Yeah, because yeah. Kendrick didn't have a, a super long discography, sure. so we wanted to fill it up a little so bit. So, yeah, that's what I chose, Skele- I chose Skeleton. So, I've, I I'm familiar that. with that. I'm familiar with Nunchop Pass. Uh, who did Toot. Who did I pick? Yeah, do you remember which album you picked? No. Okay. Oh, Vince Staples. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. that's right. I do remember yeah, that. Summertime 06. Yeah. Uh, Bazooka 2, I've heard quite a bit from, and uh, Labor Days as well. And then Float's my favorite of his albums, always has been. And that's yeah, an album yeah. I've spent a lot of time with. So. I knew that that was the, your favorite. Yeah, one I actually said. just picked up a pretty sweet reissue. That got reissued on vinyl last month. Did it? On three different color pressings that are not. So it's blue, green, and yellow. And the cover of that album, for people who don't know, is, is colored. Uh, the top of it is a solid color. And then the bottom is like black and his face is on it. So yeah. each color pressing, the cover changes color based off of what it is. And the record itself is the color of the cover. So that's kind of cool. Huh. Yeah, I have I have three of his albums on vinyl, but I don't have Float. Yeah, well, so it's it impossible cool to, get the to find. It had not been reissued right. prior to that. So it was very difficult it was to find. Yeah. Right. So, so I'll have to get the reissue then. I'm glad that see, you told me about that. There you this. go. See if remind you me it. when we get done. Remind me. I'll remind you. Done. Thank you. Because so, I, don't, I don't edit this episode, so I won't hear it later. true. Remember. To look it up. But yeah, that's I've, I'm familiar with most of it, and it's uh, that's kind of what it does. I don't know. It, yeah. Well, I guess because but I've never listened to it like this before. Right. Well, so. that's what I was gonna say is that like I feel like for me because I would I would agree. I don't think that the best way to listen to Aesop a uh, quick succession one week kind of thing, but for me like Float and Bazooka Tooth I think are the only two that maybe I wasn't as familiar with in terms of like a full album experience. I've listened to Labor Days more than almost any other album, period. I have listened to that album to death. And so, like, with that, and then I think the second album I listened to from him was Impossible Kid. And at that point, I started to get more into his discography, like, a couple of years ago when that came out. Like, I listened to Labor Days for a long time, but never had really, like, explored the rest of what he had as an artist. And then the next one I had was Skeleton. And then from there, like, you know, I guess I just never really went to Float or Bazooka Tooth as much. I've listened to None Shall Pass a couple of times. Um, but the way that I look at it is that, like, when you have his music is that you sit on it for a while. Mm-hmm. So he, the reason we're covering him this week is because he just released a new album. His new album is entitled Spirit World Field Guide. And um, I realized, like, listening to a 21-track Aesop Rock album, there's... You're not going to understand it on one listen. Not all 21 tracks are going to stand out. You're not going to know every line from an Aesop Rock song Mm -hmm. because it's so, like, if you look at, like, yeah, it's dense. There's a lot of vocals. There's a lot of lyrics. He's saying a lot in the lyrics. Like, you're not going to, there's not really a song that's just going to very easily have, like, a, like, he doesn't really do hooks. No. Well, he does kind of repetitive beats. He does do choruses. In, yeah. in a good number of songs, which is really sure. nice. Yeah. But uh, because it, he's kind of mixing some stuff, actually. He's kind of like mixing some standard song structure with the way that he writes hip-hop, which is nice because it means there's something to return to that, right? Especially, like, you see that a lot more, actually, on the Malibu Ken. 
Yeah. Where you see a little bit more of like stuff that like uh, Tuesday's a great song. I love that song, but yeah. there's a chorus in that song. Right. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. And, it, and the chorus is like more expansive because you don't have to listen to his lyrics on the verse. You just listen to the chorus. So musically it expands. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. But he also different things stand out to you every time you listen to a song. Right. So as you like the replay value is very good because different things, different verses, different lines, everything he says, different sounds. So it's just like it's hard to just you can't listen to it once No. because it's it's so dense that you can hear different things every time. That's not like not true of a lot of other artists we've talked about. You know, you different things stand different times and it, whether it relates to you or not lyrically, especially. But with him, it's just like everything, really. I guess what my point is, is that like when I was listening this week to the albums, I didn't see it as this like slog of having to get through his music because I've listened to his music so much that it's really more of just revisiting his music this week. So like Float was one of the albums I was not as familiar with and I really liked it. Bazooka Tooth was an album I wasn't as familiar with and I didn't like it as much as the rest of his discography for reasons that we can discuss at some point. But like listening to Labor Days like was not an exhausting process at all because I know like half the lyrics to the album, yeah. you know, like, and so like that one is not really that like difficult for me to listen to. I had to rethink about things as I was listening to None Shall Pass because I don't, I'm not as familiar with that album. Skeleton, I know very, very well. Impossible Kid, I probably know like every word to the full album. And then uh, Malibu Ken, obviously, like, you know, that was one of the more recent ones. What was yeah, that, 2019? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 2019 Malibu Ken was kind of a, a group project between uh, Aesop Rock and producer Tobacco. And it has a different sound from the rest of his mm-hmm. career because he's got somebody else producing it. But, you know, a lot of these albums, I didn't feel like I had to really think a whole lot about them because I like it was more of like this kind of reminder of what was happening. So I could re-listen to albums a couple times because it wasn't that big of a deal. Like I probably listened to Labor Days like two or three times this week because I was like, whatever. Like, well, that's fine. I don't. It's not problem. I don't think it's like sludged on for me or anything. I just realize I don't ever want to listen to him in succession, sure. and I probably don't want to with most hip hop artists I because I don't like once you have a flow that's all nice and good, and you can make songs that are cool and different. But I don't. I'm not gonna. I don't want to listen to it all of your albums right now. You know, that's just what it is. I don't. I want it. To, I want them to exist on their own. Like I'll listen to, if I want to listen to hip hop, I'll listen to an Aesop rock and then maybe I'll listen to a Kendrick album. You know what I mean? But I'm not going to listen to all of it at once or multiple albums at once. I don't do that with most artists anyway. Like I don't, I mean, how often is it that you ever find yourself listening to multiple of an art, an uh, artist albums other than what we do? I was going to say every week. I mean, but my point is like, I'm talking about casual listening. I'm doing doing casual listening. It's rare unless I'm just really in the mood for the sound of this artist. Right. I'm not going to be listening to their multiple albums in a row. I've only done that a couple of times outside of like the experience of doing the podcast. And I can't even, like, I think that like, so I knew that I really wanted to talk about MF Doom, but I figured we probably wouldn't ever do it as an episode for some reason. So, like, there was one week where we had a short week, and so I was like, I'm just going to listen to all of MF's, like, projects. And so, like, that was kind of a time where I was choosing to do that on my own, but it is a rare experience, and also, I am not your typical casual listener. I did it, so. I did it maybe this week or last week with something, but it was, like, with three albums. Right. You know, it was an artist who had three albums, and it must have been, I mean, I don't remember what it was, but it had to have been punk or something. 
something that you're just in the mood to listen. Like one punk album is not dramatically different from another punk album in a lot of times. So you just listen. I just listen to all of them. Speaking of punk, but, did you see some of the punk artists that maybe Aesop Rock was interested in at one point? What did you What did you find that you found interesting on that list? Why don't you tell me first? Well, I didn't see it. You didn't That's see why the I'm list? asking you. No. Who would be a punk act that maybe Aesop Rock would enjoy a lot that you'd be excited about? Um, Henry Rollins. No. Come on, Tyler. Fugazi. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. He he grew up listening to Fugazi. Good. And I think he also listened to the Dead Kennedys. Well, that's also quite good. Well, I figured Fugazi was the one that you'd be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like one thing that I like about Aesop Rock. The uh, Avid Brothers and Aesop Rock should listen to Fugazi together. They should. Hey, that'd be pretty cool. He can and come have to drive in. He can come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like um, something that I enjoy about Aesop Rock is that something about him. I feel like I just like him as a person. Yeah. Like he's. Uh, I mean, he's, he's hyper intelligent. He. I think I know we talk about this on uh, Good Band Bad Band, but to reiterate it on this show. Because I think there's a lot more people who listen at this point to like an Aesop Rock episode today than go back and listen to an Aesop uh, Kid Rock. Mm, uh, that you should. At the beginning of the year. Kid yeah, Rock. if you ever want to listen to us cover Aesop Rock and Kid Rock in the same episode, that's the place to do it. Good band, bad band, everybody. Go listen to it. Anyways. Um, so patron. Shameless plug. Listen. If a, it's eh, never mind, just give your point out. Yeah, so um, he's hyper intelligent, and uh, he they did a study a couple years ago to look at kind of um, the density of lyricism within hip hop to look at like which artists um, use the most uh, extensive vocabulary, and uh, Aesop Rock topped the list bar none. Like yeah. he is just he his lyricism is incredible. Because he'll, I guess what he does is he just sits around and he looks at like, um, like science magazines and stuff like that, just to like kind of get a glimpse of words that he finds interesting. He'll write down the words and then he'll find a way to work those words in to songs. And again, it makes it sometimes where a song is like incomprehensible because he's just saying like ridiculous shit all mm-hmm. the time, kind of thing. Um, it sounds cool, but if you break it down into pieces, it would take you like years to understand everything he's actually trying to do lyrically. Um, but I think he's like, yeah, I think he'd be like a cool guy. Cause like, you know, he's a smart dude. He likes cool music. He's down to earth mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. He likes art, like just like, you know, just a general kind of like, he just seems like a chill guy, I guess. I don't know. He's kind of maintained an underground attitude. Yes. Is what it is really. Even though he's. I don't know. He's fairly mainstream, kind of. I don't, I don't know. know. It's hard I, to say, really. I feel like he's still, like, I feel like he's almost like this weird middle ground yeah. where he is not super well-known, but he's well-known enough by, like, name recognition that he's not really underground anymore. No, like, yeah, not he, anymore. Like, I'll give an example. Uh, so, I was actually, so, John Foster, friend of the show who was on Run the Duels, and also he was on the MF Doom episode, uh, he was going to be on the show, but he couldn't make it. So sorry that you couldn't be here, John. Um, but he was talking to me about how um, there was a period of time where LP and Eminem were both on the Rockus label at the same time. And so, like, and I, I guess, like, because like, LP is also somebody that's worth mentioning within the context of yes. uh, this episode, because LP not only did some production on Bazooka Tooth, he also is featured on uh, Aesop Rock songs. And from Labor Days on uh, until None Shall Pass, so yep. three albums were produced by Def Jux, which is, you know, 
LP was the CEO of that label. And so obviously Aesop and LP have a underground relationship that is very extensive. Uh, I'm surprised we haven't really seen them collaborate as much recently, but at the same time, uh, Aesop is not really one to have a lot of collaboration on his albums, and often he reserves his collaborations to uh, different projects. Right. Uh, we can obviously talk about some of those projects later because I think that they're pretty interesting. But um, there's obviously a very, very weird line between, like, I mean, LP is the perfect example. Uh, LP as an artist is kind of more of that middle ground. Some people know some of his albums, like uh, Cancer for Cure and uh, uh, I'll Sleep When You're Dead. And, um, you know, those are kind of the middle ground area mm -hmm. of him being underground. And then Run the Jewels, obviously, is mainstream at this point in hip-hop. But then you also have him in Company Flow, which was what was on Rockus. And that is, like, about as underground as hip-hop can get. Their album is impossible to find. If anybody ever finds Company Flow, Fun Crusher Plus on vinyl... Please send it to me. I want that record. Anyways, so that album is like um, not on Spotify, completely unknown to most modern listeners. Um, and so like he runs the gamut of being a underground hip hop artist from both polar spectrums. And I think Aesop really does exist in that middle ground in a lot of ways. Yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, especially at this point. Well, you know, we also know that the way... It it all works is eventually underground will bubble its way up and then it becomes, you know, whatever. So, but it, the, doom obviously is a great example. Of that yeah. Too. <clears throat> but I think it also is a point cause it, it's all about density as well. You can only get so high when you have dense music, mm -hmm. you know, cause people are going to be like, this is cool. And then it's going to rise up to a point where the people who are into that think it's cool. And like some other people hear it in a couple of songs or whatever, but it's never going to get to the point where everyone can listen to it and make it. And it's like, you it's know. not commercial at all. No, 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 it's not. Well, it's not accessible really to no. it, and he's no. not accessible, quite honestly, to an extent. I mean, yeah. his bigger songs are closer to it, but I feel like "Impossible Kid" is his most accessible album. Yes, probably, absolutely. I think there are some very obvious songs across that and Malibu Can. Yeah, I was saying Malibu Can as well. And then now for this new album, he's gone back to not very accessible. No. no, that new album was so. Let's let's actually let's talk about the the new album a little bit so the new album of course dropped you know just a couple days ago so we haven't had a lot of time to sit on it which is a problem with aesop rock again so like what were some things that stood out to you about the new album were there songs that you really enjoyed um like you said jared uh and you obviously i'd love to hear from you about this um is that that album is not accessible i agree i i it was a difficult listen well for it's, sure, it's a concept a album, album. It's a concept album that's like like based around fantasy really. Like a fantasy that he creates for the most part. So then you it's basically just like an entirety of his world. You know? So you just you it's like there's no really there's nothing to relate to in that thing in terms of like lyrical content or anything like that. It's just all it's just literally created, fully creative. I don't know. Like you could I guess you could relate to the overarching theme, I suppose, or like under of the idea just for the sake of fantasy but once you get in there it's just like whatever he wants to make up and to, to a degree so i don't know it's pretty I, I think it's pretty interesting but it's not it's not easy it's most certainly not easy because it also i'm sure it kind of requires you to uh, understand that there's not necessarily meaning to everything in it which is kind of difficult i think you have to do that anyway with him to an extent because as you mentioned some of the songs are just kind of like a bunch of words thrown together Sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes they only make sense like on their own. 
in the context of that specific line or whatever. So, but all in all, I, I don't know. I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. It's on par for me. I don't, it doesn't, you know, it's what, it's what you could expect from an Aesop album. I'd agree. I don't know. I listened to it. I really couldn't pull very much from it. That was too interesting, I guess. Um, so if you pre-ordered the album from Rhymesayers, yeah. they, they sent you a, a canteen uh, or a pocket knife or flint because it was a, the album was sold as a survival guide uh, theme for the concept album. Um, there's There were a few uh, intervals that were like um, – like, uh, sampling that were interesting like in between because it's a long it's got 21 tracks but mm-hmm. there's several that are like less than a minute or around a minute long that are just like a little musical interludes that were okay but i really there was nothing that i pulled that i was like okay yeah this line is something i want to talk about later this verse this you know it was like i just kind of listened to it and that was it so it's not it's not gonna be my favorite album of the year probably uh, it's. I mean, it's not my favorite album of the year either. Um, I I was hoping I'd like it even more. I still enjoyed it a lot, but it wasn't like that. You know, it's not gonna be a top ten album for this year for me, just because it, it just kind of happened. Like I literally, it, like it. It was just like an hour of my life that went by that I'll never think about ever again. Well, I know that. Like for me, I know that I'll return to this album over time. You know, a couple times, I'm sure. Um, but it's going to take a while for me to really feel like I have a lot of understanding of what I just listened to. I know there's a couple of singles, which makes it a little easier to kind of remember those. So The Gates um, was the first single that came off of it. The next one was Pizza Alley. And then just recently, uh, he released a video for Coveralls. Yes. Coveralls has a video. The one that came out like two days ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Coveralls. Thank you. So did anybody have a song that they thought was very interesting? If not, then, you know, I've got some bits that I could play. Because I think we should play something from the new album just to give people a taste of what it sounds like. Nothing in particular? No, I mean, it's also just difficult. Sure. I mean, unless something really stands out on the first listen for this type of thing, it's just like... yeah. Well, I know that, like, so one thing that I wanted to play... So I saw, because, you know, I use the, the Album of the Year website um, to look at things. And I know that, like, early on, I thought people were going to, like, really, really not like this album. But I think that the people who don't like Aesop Rock actually came out faster than the people who like Aesop Rock, which was weird. Hmm. But there were a lot of people who came out who were just basically saying, like, this is boring. It's the same repetitive beat over and over again. He says so much, and I can't understand what's going on. Like, I can understand, again, it's not accessible, so I understand people not liking Aesop Rock. I find him incredibly compelling. I've liked him for a very long time, so I have a you know a sweet spot for Aesop Rock in particular. But I understand other people not. Um, but I really like the song "Gauze" because um, there's this weird um, musical shift that happens in the middle of the song, and I want to play that musical shift because I like where he goes from like one beat, and then there's a pause, and then he goes to a completely different beat entirely. <laughs> Wayward, parade waving, vacate 
Penetrate the blank taste to make worm seek. Ease in the weeds, no sacred. K no K babe. All two tails gonna be. Yeah, pretty good. One thing that's always really nice, I mean, you know, some people focus more on lyrics, some people focus more on music, some people know how to do really well both. His stuff is always like he focuses on both the lyrics and the music, and they're both always very full. So he's got I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on there in, in the musical aspect of it as well. So he just fills out the space really well most of the time. I think the only thing that I'll say about the production side of things, um, and this is where I'll come back to one of the albums, is that usually he does a very good job of uh, repetitive loops that don't detract too much from what he's saying in a way that there are sometimes uh, times where you have like really loud production that's kind of taking over the song in a lot of ways. And I think he does a very good job of not often doing that too much. But I think that one album in particular, Bazooka Tooth, is one that got a little bit too loud for me, mm-hmm. which makes sense because uh, LP, you know, was involved with that. That's kind of like when he went a little bit more Def Jux than Def Jux is usually his sound, I guess. Because uh, obviously Labor Days is not really a Def Jux album if you um, are familiar with kind of their style of music. Uh, but Bazooka Tooth is very much like a Cannibal Ox Yeah. Um, LP kind of album where like just the production is really really I mean that's it it's loud it's really loud production it detracts a lot from him as an artist and so that's one of the albums where I felt like I didn't get as much out of it because of that it's more like an LP album than Mm -hmm. it is an Aesop Rock album ultimately um but yeah Jer what was a what was a song just overall that stood out to you the most from this week Favorite track, you mean? Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's tough. I like a lot of. I've we've talked about this one for good band, bad band, but the song "Coffee" that features John Darnielle from yeah. the Mountain Goats is a really great song. That is a good yeah. song. like probably the most interesting collaboration that both Aesop or John Darnielle have ever done. It's up there. Uh Kimia Dawson from the the Moldy Peaches was also on uh it was not Scalathon. Yeah, on Scalathon, which I was like that's who I think it is. And so I looked it up, I was right, but it's like she has a very unique voice, but it's like yeah. this is different. He doesn't have very many features like that. I think his I would like if he had more things in his because he's, I mean, he's interesting and kind of out there and weird with his music, and so it'd be cool to have him have more people like that in his music. Well, it's more that it's the opposite. Like more often than not, it's that Aesop doesn't feature people in his music. Aesop features himself in other people's music. Mm-hmm. He's a really good feature artist. Because like, yeah. if you're listening, so like, I'll give an example of like something that he's done. Um, though I will mention that. Um, the Kimmy Dawson thing, they have a whole project together called the uncluded. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and that's not a very popular um, mm-hmm. collaboration that he has, but like, I love the idea of them doing something like 
consistently together. It's a really odd relationship to have between the two of them. Um, but yeah, he's featured on a couple of the LP songs, which makes sense. He was on both Fantastic Damage and I'll Sleep When You're Dead. Um, there's a song that we listened to actually on Good Band, Bad Band. When we did Del the Funky Homo Sapien, he was on the Preservation song that was on the Wu-Tang type album. Uh, one of my favorite ones, personally, is the Perfect Hair song, or Perfect Hair album from Bus Driver. He's on the song Ego Death with Danny Brown yeah, that's and a good Bus song. Driver. That's a good song. I yeah. like that song a lot. That is good. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different songs. But I like, personally, one of the ones that like most people wouldn't know is the Vast Air song from his album Look Mom No Hands, uh, Posse Slash. Because Vastair is one of the members of Cannibal Ox, and I've always really liked Cannibal Ox. Mm -hmm. It's another Def Jux group. But Aesop Rock exists as a very good feature artist because if you're listening to somebody who doesn't have like a super dense lyrical flow or a whole lot of that, when he comes in, it's something different rather than listening to eight straight hours of just like a lot. <laughs> so. Um, I mean, yeah. he definitely brings something there. Plus, his voice, like his vocal range, is is different. Like he's got a pretty interesting and unique voice. Mm. That's a lot different from like <clears throat> it's a lower register than most most hip hop artists that yeah. we hear. So he when he comes in, it's something that like dramatically shifts the song. Not only because of that, but because of the like the way it sounds as well. So he is good as a as a, a featured artist. But but the thing about artists he features is. Because he has so little, it means every time he does, it's something special. And it has to hit, and it does every time. You know what I mean? I mean, if you're only going to have featured artists occasionally, when you bring them in there, you you, have, you really have to focus on it as a point of the song that is, you know, important or, or dramatically. In this case, it was, like, different. Actually, what he does in that song we listened to, it's almost kind of like an R&B section. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it kind of brings something else into it that you wouldn't normally hear. So it's, it's just something that's kind of dramatically different. So. Yeah. He also, like like I mentioned, like he has these collaborations, but he kind of returns to them fairly frequently. So, for example, uh, on that None Shall Pass album, the song before it has a feature from Rob Sonic. Rob Sonic is a frequent uh, collaborator with their project, Hail Mary Marin. And Jared, you can go ahead and talk about why we're a little bit more familiar with Rob Sonic. Yes, uh, a few years ago, Caleb and I went to see Aesop Rock in Louisville. And uh, the opener was Homeboy Sandman, who has been on some uh, Aesop Rock songs. I think they did a couple of EPs together. And uh, I knew like two of his songs of Homeboy Sandman. He's not, he's an uh, underground for sure. And then Rob Sonic, who had worked with Aesop, was his like DJ hype man guy. So I didn't, I didn't really know him like going into it. He's like, you know, this is Rob Sonic. But. I didn't really know, but looking at the discography now, I guess I see his name a few different times. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. Like LP has been on several things. Uh, it's it like that the he doesn't do very many collaborations, but when he does, it's with them a few different times. You know. Yeah. So. I'd love to see Aesop on a Run the Jewel song to give him a little bit more notoriety. I did read that uh, MF and Aesop have talked about a collaboration, which oh, really? would be kind of cool. I don't even know what I would do with that collaboration. I would just go ahead and I'd just go ahead and die. There's nothing left to have in this world after mm -hmm. I get an MF Doom Aesop Rock collaboration. That'd be pretty good, right there. It's funny because some people that he's worked with, uh, like kind of go mainstream a little bit, like the when he's worked with Danny Brown, for mm -hmm. instance. Mm -hmm. And it's like interesting how long he's been in like underground, 
and like people he's worked with kind of come up and have success somewhat and then he stays in the same underground but he doesn't he's never changed his style like that so it's like how would you i don't think he ever expects to and he's been around so long that it's like he's not gonna hit it big now and that's been 20 years yeah well i don't think that he's i think what you're kind of saying is i don't think he's trying to like i don't think he's cares i mean the most commercial thing like we already talked about is the impossible kid and it didn't really have anything like that i mean there could have been songs that would have been i don't want to say hits but like bigger tracks on various things but you know it's not the biggest thing he ever did was he was on tony hawk's pro skater soundtrack and that's how we know him so it worked out because the intention of being on something like that is to gain popularity and have your voice heard in some other fashion so it worked well i'll give you an example of that so i i didn't mention this earlier but when i was talking to john i asked him if there was anything he would have wanted to talk about on the show had he been on there and he actually found a really interesting fact about him so before float because float was the first album we listened to he actually had a different debut album which was um uh, music for earthworms which is a lot harder to find it sold all of 300 copies Mm -hmm. because he was like hand making those cds like he was you know it wasn't like it was you know he had a studio behind him he was just making his own music and just kind of trying to get people to listen to what he had to say. But there was a period of time back in 98 when what he would do is he would put music for Earthworms as a B-side to the Slim Shady EP so that people would want to listen to the Slim Shady EP when he was starting to get some buzz. And then people would be like, oh, what's this on the other side? And they'd start listening to Aesop Rock in his EP. So like the way that he thought, like, oh, you know, I know how to get my music to sell a little bit better is to put it with somebody who's getting buzz and look where that went, you know? Mm-hmm. It is funny, though. Like, if you think about Eminem, he's kind of the guy who did exactly what Aesop didn't do because of what he did in the mid-2000s, really. So early on, obviously, uh, Eminem was probably just about the least commercial like hip-hop artist because he was just being scary i don't know exactly <laughs> how to put it but yeah he was using like a horror core style which yeah. is obviously not going to cross over in the commercial realm and then in the early the early to middle 2000s he's making songs like like the real slim shady and stuff where like it's very repetitive it's silly lines that people could get into and now today he can kind of go back and every once in a while he can kind of go back and do his like kind of horrorcore ish sound the really fast flows and people are like oh this is really cool but that's not like what built his career. He's just able to now use his already built career to do those things. Yeah. Well, when you get popular, you can go back and do whatever. People right. think it's cooler than they did before when they think you're huge. Mm-hmm. So, but he won't. I mean, people are just gonna have to appreciate Aesop for what it is. Right. <laughs> he's not gonna. I mean, he's not gonna like do that and have something and then go back and be like, now look at this. Of course, I don't think it's worthwhile anyway. Like, let's say he even did do something else reason to return to a previous thing when he has a catalog that's just like already there yeah i mean eminem i mean once he once he moved out of that into you know the stuff that sold more it's just kind of like after a while people are like well, who cares right so then he had to get more attention you know i mean it was a cyclical thing of this or that i mean there's a point where eminem was no longer critically you know now good yeah right well now is a great time but it's been now. going on for a while about like five Probably 10 years, really. Some critics will claim he was never good. 
I don't like them. I only like the first couple of albums, mostly probably for nostalgic reasons more than anything else. I don't like I don't like anything he does, honestly. So. That's why we haven't covered him up to this point. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm kind of like, no, thank you. I don't want to do that. But I will say, uh, I'll go ahead and play my favorite song of the week. Probably not my favorite song of all time, but I want to feature something from Float, one of his really Ooh, early I, albums. Because yeah. uh, I wasn't as familiar with this song. It was the one that stood out the well, most. Don't choose my song. We might choose the same song because I'm choosing Big Bang. Nope. Cool. Yeah, because Big Bang, it has that like uh, kind of chorusy bit that he repeats twice, mm-hmm. and it kind of reminded me of Eminem's like Quick Flow, which I, you know, I was surprised that I liked it as much as I did, but it's pretty cool. So I'm gonna play Big Bang off of Flow. to see like what i can do with my own ability to rap and i on multiple occasions this week saw if i could do that really fast bit i'm getting better well yeah practice makes perfect i'm getting a little i'm getting to a point where i could kind of do it but i have to read the lyrics because i don't know them perfectly yet so hey i don't know if he does yeah he may not (laughs) ask him to recite them that's one thing when you perform live, like I bet you got, he has to do a lot of rehearsing. Oh my god! Because Could you, you imagine to, knowing every word to the Impossible Kid word for word. It'd be difficult. Do you know? Here's a question, and then maybe you do or do not know. You know, some artists, for instance, I heard when I saw Me Without You last year, I was told that every night they change the set list. Oh my god! Do you know if he uses the same set list throughout a tour, or if he? Well, when we saw him, he toured on the entire Impossible Kid, so yeah. he couldn't like he played that album. So he had to have that Front same to back. Set, sure. set list. And then any additional songs would maybe be different each night, potentially. But, I mean, well, that's like a 15-track album. Yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be an hour long. So normally, hip-hop... I think that's his shortest album. I think it's like 43 minutes, mm-hmm. if I remember right. But normally, like, uh, hip-hop people do not perform a long time. I mean, he's different than that, for sure. But, you know, if you go see a mainstream hip hop person now you're going to get like, because they have, they go on these tours and they have multiple people. Yeah. Uh, we went, uh, me and my sister went to see Wiz Khalifa, uh, who is not as, did you separate, did you went to that separately from when we went? Cause it was fallout boy, wasn't it? It was separate. Yeah. It was separate. I so believe. you've seen Wiz Khalifa live twice. Maybe it wasn't separate. Cause you weren't there when, when YG was there. No, maybe it wasn't Wiz. Maybe it was, uh, Oh, shoot. That other guy. The white guy. Uh, oh, shoot. Ah. Machine Gun Kelly? No. Um, uh, dang it. Yellow Wolf? No. I'm just naming white hip-hop artists now. I'm like, maybe this will work. It doesn't matter. We saw a guy. Uh, one of them was Logic, I think, was there. But that wasn't the main person. I have seen Logic. but I, I don't didn't know, know you saw Logic live. Yeah, he does a thing every night where he does a freestyle. Like he brings somebody up, he gets like a some kind of a theory, and then he does a freestyle about it. And it's different every single time because everybody's life, you know, like, hey, do something about this. And so he does it every time. Um, 
I cannot remember the. If I remember the guy's name, I'll bring. You it. saw that Little Dicky live. That's what we're I've never say. seen Little Dicky. No. That's what I was thinking, but I didn't uh, want to embarrass him in front of everyone. Like they have like four or five, six different artists, and they all come out for like fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, like the sets are so small for like the openers and stuff. So like if you're the headliner, like Aesop, which I mean, he had one opener and then he was the main act and he performed for like two hours, you know, or whatever it was. Well, I think it was probably like. It probably was around like maybe like an hour and a half because mm-hmm. like he did the entirety of Impossible Kid, which is forty eight minutes, which means again that he, as a very dense lyrical artist, knows every word to that forty eight minute album, front to back, and then he also was just doing some extra songs. At That's the end. my point. Like if he changes, How? if he went on a tour where, you know, because when you tour an album, you don't normally perform the entirety of an album. You no. perform like the the big songs from it, maybe a couple of deeper ones, and then you perform like old hits and maybe songs that you just like to do. You only really do that with like an anniversary tour. Right. It's that's typically like the only time yes. you do that. Typically it's when you that's the only time you do it. So but if you change your set list, you know, if you have one for the entirety of the tour, which is a lot of people do, then that's fine. But if you change it or even change like you don't have to change it very much, even if you change out half of the songs for him, like that's a lot of work. That's yeah. gotta be a lot of work. There's no way. I don't it'd just be hard to remember all of that. All the way back, like you could pull something from. We know that, like you've seen bands who are like, oh, someone like makes a request, and you're just like, I don't even remember how to play that song, you know. Freebird. Yeah, but I've seen people. People are like, play this, and he's like, we don't even like we I, we haven't played yeah. that, and we don't even know how to do it. Yeah, which is just funny. But play then, this random like, especially when you're like an artist who has like thirty albums. Yeah, and it's like, hey, this like hidden classic that's on like your third album. Like I haven't. Even listen to that yeah, song I don't even for thirty years. What like, it sounds like. I uh, an example. So ACDC released an album this week. Yeah, it's and garbage. It was, oh, it's terrible. Yeah, I'm sure. And like all Who's of singing? it sounds. Uh, Brian Johnson is back. he back? Thank you. Yeah, it's not Axel. So when he performs live and he says, "I can't hear you." Oh, really? That mean that's real. That's cause, real because he can't hear yeah. you. Yeah. Brian Johnson. <laughs> Yeah. That's sad. He's a sad man anyway. So I realized, like, I knew this already, but I realized once again, like, because that album is straight up the same riff, the same song over and over again. Oh, yeah. I I ended up uh, with a friend. I was on the phone with him, and I played a song from ACDC, and they had to guess if it was from 2020, the 70s, or the 80s, and they got it wrong almost every Every single time time, because it was literal guesswork. Could you imagine somebody being like, play this classic song from your 79 album? They're like... I don't know that riff. They all know. sound the same. They could just literally, like, they could play different parts of songs. Like, the bassist could play one song. The guitarist could play one song. The drummer could play one song. And they could sing one song. Nobody would even notice. No. Because it all just flows together because it's the same damn I song. can't believe Thunderstruck come out in the early 90s. Like, that sounds like a really old song. It does. But it, like, came out at a time where they were kind of, like, already gone. Yeah. It's it was weird. like a revamp of their career really yeah yeah unfortunately i will say i hate that song now i used to when i started playing guitar you know i used to think it was cool because of the but it's, it's not it's not cool when you it used to be cool when you could play it but it's not cool the it's radio cool stations anymore. convince you that acdc make good songs tyler tell me what your favorite song from float was uh, i'm gonna play the song the first aesop rock song i ever heard it's the mayor and the crook it's the last song on float I built the city out one brick. I 
had a mayor and a crook. I made the crook stab the mayor, then slay himself in the guilt. I stole the brick back and migrated east. Now let's build. Every tender book and dead bed, it's slip throw percentages. Chicken penmanship, time to 13th night. I arranged panoramics of a plastic catalog. And when a wild dog sing, tell him it's lullabies tried by my offspring. I'll bring the butterflies and he can bring the I always love that, like, from like the get go, even until today, he's still blended like the boom bap style into his music. Mm-hmm. Like the way that he structures beat is still so boom bap today. It is. It's just like it's gone more electronic in a lot of ways. Well, like that was like kind of like a like a kind of subtle guitar riff. So thing. that's one thing I really appreciate about Float is that he everything you hear in it is real. It's live instrumentation. Mm-hmm. It's not most of it is not electronic or it's you know. It it's not created from electronics. It's based off of real instruments. The beats right. are based are drum kit. He uses a lot, like all the notes we hear at the beginning of that song are upright bass or, and, and maybe some cello. And as violins in the song you played, he's got horns in the song I just played towards the end of that clip. And that's something that I've always really appreciated. And it's something that I mean, I think it's pretty rare to see that because even. When you see old, like very beginnings of hip hop, it it still had like disco sounds to kind of base it, or or like a medley of strings as the backing, which became an, an electronic staple in a lot of ways. And you don't just see people like using regular instruments to create instrumentation that's like layered and dense like that. Even like like most hip hop just uses like drum machines to yes. make beats. Like they're not they're not sitting somebody down to actually pull in a drum kit any like, art for beats and even on like h- half the songs on the album i appreciate much more than anyone else really so you really like that machine gun kelly song with travis barker from Blink yeah it's good it's good listen I, we already know how i feel about machine gun kelly so damn good and travis barker's the greatest drummer in the world makes sense history of all time yeah they're, they're great i agree i just figured since you said anytime that you bring in a real drum kit that you really appreciate it, i appreciate so. i do appreciate it. if he if he does it then i appreciate it. does it mean it's good and i like it doesn't mean that, but I definitely appreciate that you're using a drum a drum kit to make a beat. It sounds different. It does. A drum machine. They're, they're not even. I mean, using, if you listen, they're to really phone, not yeah, even using different. drum machines in these anymore. They're using a pad that has been made up with fake drum noises. Right. Uh, a, a snare hit in most hip hop songs sounds nothing like a snare. It sounds more like a clap than anything else. Yeah. And it doesn't mean, and it's not. It just doesn't. It's not the same thing. Well, the reason, I mean, the thing that that does is that there's a lot more of like a synthetic noise to it where it's like, if you like, okay, so for example, if I snap, then that makes a sound. But if I snap again, it sounds different because you don't snap exactly the same it's way or, every yeah, single it's time. It's organic. It's got an organic sound to it. But if you do a song with that kind of like a, a pad, it's a programmed sound. Yes. So it's going to sound exactly the same because the sound time. is programmed yep. in. There's no way to change it. So if you listen to a hip hop song, they are very repetitive beats because they are literally repetitive. It's the beats. same sound. It's the exact same sound. I yeah. also don't. It also means that there's a lack of appreciation for hip hop drummers, because like That's a true. person like some hip hop beats, you can really do some like jazz drummers do some really interesting things. Yeah, and hip hop drummers can do really interesting things for because sure. you use like different look at the sounds roots. differently. Mm. Yes, look definitely at look at the roots and even what well, like for instance. Um, in my knowledge of soul coughing, the drummer from soul coughing was a hip hop drummer. He was not a, I don't know, a reg- I don't know what else you would say. He's not a rock drummer or a pop sure. drummer. It's a hip hop drummer and it allows him to get like weird different sounds. So it's just like different, but it, but now it's like downplayed because there's no, there are no hip hop drummers. There's not some guy on a kit that's like making beats, you know, and it just, and it's limited because people think it's, 
like I, I also subscribe to a philosophy of like in many ways less is more. People think you have all these noises on a pad and now I can mix all these noises in weird and interesting ways. But you don't most people you don't do that anyway. They're like sterilized and you're still trying to get to the basis of a beat. And you know, but you can't do like a shuffle in a way or you can't like quickly make changes. It's not just not it's not the same at all. So I always like when people use a kit and a drummer and they and they do something. So it's just aggravating sometimes. I mean, I, I have an issue with mainstream hip hop anyway. I don't like hip hop as I've mentioned before on the uh, episode. There to me there are two kinds of hip hop, good hip hop and bad hip hop and that's all there is. Mm. Like I can't it's not, it's too difficult for me to di- differentiate any further because I have to draw such a definitive line between good and bad in the hip hop genre from for my personal tastes. I agree. I mean like I have a hard time with a lot of like the modern hip hop. I'm trying. Like I really am trying, but like future and Lil Uzi Vert made an album together this week. And like it's so middle of the road for me because mm-hmm. I'm like I some of these songs are okay, but some of these songs are just like just awful. Like I I hate them. And so I really am trying to find like things that I appreciate but about some of that hip hop, but I can't often find it all the time. So I have to I have to really hunt sometimes to find exactly what like that hip hop is that's modern that I really enjoy. So, Jared, what was your? Did you decide on another? song? I'll say "Rings" from Impossible Rings. Kid. It's a great That's like a really good one. It single. A good one. Yeah, it is a really really good single. I li- I like the video for that song too. play like a a favorite song from Aesop like there's no way to get anywhere near part of the song out of listening to just like 30 seconds of the song I like the line where he says I used to paint hard to believe that I used to paint uh that's pretty that's a good line he he went to school for art he did visual he went to school for visual art in Boston it's one of those rare times I feel like Impossible Kid is kind of the album where I see the most of like him as a man like mm. his name is Ian Bovitz, is that right? Mm-hmm. So like you know, I feel like that's when you start to see that Ian Bovitz is a person and not just Aesop Rock. Like as I was reviewing this, where I was like, like this is kind of Ian Bovitz. Like this is well, where you kind of like get out of the car is a great example. That song is about like the death of one of his friends, and like as soon as like the first one of the first lines is been a while since he died. Like so you can you get kind of part of him as a person from that album. He's not always self reflective no. in his yeah. songs, but he is a lot more in that in that album than he is elsewhere. He tends to tell, he tends to be a story guy, really. Oh, that album has a lot more story songs that I enjoy. He tends to be a story guy. I mean, even, I think think labor does too. I think floats got lots of story songs as well. Yeah. You know, but they tend to be about a big, some bigger idea, Mm -hmm. not really about a personal experience or self-reflection necessarily. Right. So one of my favorite story songs is no regrets because that's that's a good song. That's that's the song about. Also, by the way, we're about like four or five minutes before an hour because we did talking before the beginning. So that that episode is not quite at an hour yet. Just making sure you knew that. 
Yeah, quit motioning, man. God. Trying to wrap up. But yeah, No Regrets is a good song. It's this story about like this little girl who then transitions into an older, you know, woman who gets married and then is really, really old in a retirement home. And the whole thing is about her being an artist and people like not appreciating her and her wanting to do her own thing. She just wants to make her art. It's a long story. And then some jerk just comes up to her and says, Let me freak. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. I hey like, Lucy. I like the end of that song where they where he says that she says goodbye to all her drawings and dies. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like it's it's literally like like life to death. Yep. It's a really it's a cool song. Yeah. It is I like always song. recommend that one. Yeah. I have to I have to think about the fact that uh this is probably the last time I'll get to talk about Aesop until the bonus episode, and then I might never get to talk about him ever again on a podcast. So you can already... talk about him for the decade list if you really want. Depends on how his, his albums sit with you. I guess that's true. I'm just thinking about because we covered on Good Band, Bad Band, and Record Roundtable. I know he's a part of a very interesting clique. Yeah, it's true. We've There's talked only about him so many. Three times thus far. What's the other time? When we listened to Skeleton. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, speaking of, so not to keep you know, beating the Good Band, Bad Band, Dead Horse or anything, but uh, one good, of our Good Horse, Dead Horse. Good Horse, Dead Horse for sure. Uh, John commented on Patreon, uh, not Foster, the the one who was on. Avid Brothers, of course. And he said, I had never heard of Aesop Rock until he was featured on Good Band, Bad Band. Now I listen to him regularly and enjoy it. Hey, so, how about that? Had it not been a case that we covered him on Good Band, Bad Band, John probably would have never listened to him. So there's a reason until, we did this show. The now. true question is, how often does he go back and listen to Kid Rock? Regu- That's a good regular. question. Who doesn't listen to Kid Rock every once in a while? They're both, John, they're both rappers in their, in their own. True. If you're not regularly listening to Grit Sandwiches for Breakfast, you're not living. Are we closing on a Kid Rock song this week? Wax the booty, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. I almost thought I was going to rap the, the outro by... It doesn't matter. Anyways... Thank you for listening. We've been covering Aesop Rock this week. Next week, we're going to be talking about Blink-182. Yay. You always say it in a way that you know you're going to be mean. He just wants when to... You, when you're excited about it, you're like, oh, next week we're doing Aesop Rock. And then, At least he didn't and then do... when somebody else picks something, you're he, like, he... next week we're doing Blink-182. Next done... week we're doing... Good old dead John Prime. There you go. <laughs> he could have done... You know, sometimes he does it like this. Next week we're talking about Blink-182? That's I true. do do that sometimes. What? Can what? you believe we cover music? We're covering... Alice Cooper? What? Scary! <laughs> Check out our social media bits. Thanks for listening. Bye.